The time has come, so turn up the sound. It's time for Buried Broadway. Hiya. Hello. I'm Jen Beverelli. And I'm Mikey Beverelli. And welcome to Buried Broadway. Broadway, Where we discover, dissect, and demystify forgotten Broadway musicals. That we most likely found on vinyl for a dollar. So anything going on in your life, Jen? (laughs) No. (laughs) It's only been, um, oh, this is the second episode. It is. How do you feel about it? I feel good. I feel like this one is going to be vastly different than the first one. Not just content-wise, but format-wise, it's going to be a little more streamlined, I think. The Mm -hmm. first episode was hard, number one, because it was a first episode. Number two, because we didn't have a plot or a book to work with. (laughs) So I think this is going to be good. This will be good. Hopefully you guys have found us by this point on Instagram. We are at Buried Broadway. Or drop us a line on buriedbroadway at gmail.com if you have any ideas for future shows. We would love to hear from you. If you want to get in touch, just follow this address. It's B-E-V-A-R-E-L-L-I dot com. So, Mikey, you want to tell them what show we've prepared for? Why, yes, I would. (laughs) We are talking about Milk and Honey. Now, some people might have heard of this. It's not a completely like unknown, unknown show. Mm -hmm. I actually can't remember before we bought this vinyl if I had heard of it or not. Like, I just genuinely have no idea. But I know that a lot of these shows that we're going to cover are shows that I don't know the plot of at all. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why we're doing this. I personally knew nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing about this show. When I saw that Jerry Herman wrote it and I had never heard of it, I was like, what? Okay. Yeah, so that's why we picked it up. I could not tell you where we bought it. No. No clue. (laughs) But fun fact is we bought it, we listened to it, we liked it. And then while we were actually looking for records somewhere else at a thrift store in uh, Kensington, Maryland, I think it was the Society for the Blind. I think it was. We found the sheet music for it, which is adorably old and cute. It's like that tiny little sheet music. Mm. So we have that too, which I really like. So a little bit about the show before we begin. It ran on Broadway for 542 performances. After one preview, Milk and Honey opened on Broadway on October 10th, 1961 in the Martin Beck Theater, which is now the Al Hirschfeld Theater. And what's in there now? I don't remember. Moulin Rouge. Oh, okay. Moulin Rouge is in there. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So what else was playing at the time? The Gay Life, which we're definitely going to talk about in a later episode, opened one month after this. Carnival! Exclamation point. How to succeed in business without really trying opened four days later. Quamina, which we might talk about later. That opened in the same month and closed one month later. Mm. Bye Bye Birdie had just closed. Camelot was running at the time. And the unsinkable Molly Brown. So for the Tony Awards, it was nominated for Best Musical, Best Original Score, Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical, Best Costume Design, and Best Producer of a Musical. So this was really popular in its time. 
So let's get right on into it and listen to that opening number because I'm really excited. Yeah. So that was a little bit of the overture. I love a good overture. Yeah, it gets you like so amped. Sometimes I get disappointed when I see a new show and there is no overture. Well, it just feels so like old school mm-hmm. Broadway. Like people are bustling to get into their seats and like the doors are still open. So you hear like the cabs still honking and like dropping people <laughs> off outside. But like the conductor is just like moving on. And the ushers with their lights directing people to their seats yeah, and people getting and like, all flustered. Yeah, like, everyone's oh. like putting their stuff away and like rustling their candies and like trying to get everything set up because they had no idea this was happening. <laughs> like <laughs> they're always so shocked. Um, and I'd say as far as overtures go, this is solid. Yeah, I mean, I will say we're only going to play a clip of it for you, but it kind of all blends together, mm-hmm. which... I don't know what that says. The, uh, I mean, we haven't listened to this musical in a very long time, you guys. So we're experiencing this for the first time with you. I don't remember what my favorite songs were. I don't remember. I remember that I overall liked this show, mm-hmm. and that's why we're doing it. But we are going to be reading a synopsis of the show as we play songs for you. So we can experience what the book of the show would be as well as the music of it. So you just heard the overture and that leads to the beginning of act one. The calm of a morning street scene in modern Jerusalem is shattered when a police officer orders a Yemenite boy to remove his flock of sheep to a side street. Phil Arkin, an American visiting his married daughter, defends the boy and in the ensuing fracas, he meets Ruth Stein, a tourist traveling with a group of widows from the United States. Because that seems totally normal. (laughs) She's impressed with Phil's command of Hebrew as he explains the meaning of the word shalom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, as you might have guessed, this song is called Shalom. Let's give it a listen. Shalom, shalom, you'll find shalom. The nicest greeting you know. It means bonjour, salute, and skull, and twice as much as hello. It means a million lovely things, like peace be yours, welcome home. And even when you say goodbye, you say goodbye with shalom. So. That was the first number, and I'd actually say it's 
It's pretty informative if you don't know what shalom means. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it's kind of like a language lesson. It kind of feels a little Sound of Music-esque with the do-re-mi, yeah. but it has kind of an ominous tone to it. It doesn't feel super lively as an opening number to me. Yeah. I was kind of expecting when we started off the song with him defining the word shalom and saying it means all these different translations of hello that it was going to turn into kind of like a beauty and the beast like greeting the villagers like bonjour (laughs) but like it did not (laughs) he didn't talk to anyone else he only talked to ruth which is fine yeah but like i there's no ensemble in this opening number which i was like where are they yeah we're all the people his voice is amazing it is I was really so good. Surprised. Her voice is great too. They're both. I mean, she's very classical soprano, but mm-hmm. we don't have voices like that anymore. Like men yeah. don't train to sound like that anymore. They train to sound very different. Yeah, um, it's really rare to find a bass baritone voice that is that developed in musical theater. They, bass baritones exist. I've seen them. <laughs> but <laughs> this is a rarity. All right, moving right along in summary. So they keep running into each other. Phil and Ruth. Phil and Ruth. Yeah, just to be sure you know who they are. (laughs) Phil and Ruth keep running into each other, and together they celebrate Israel's Independence Day. And already we're in the second number, you guys. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it's a cute little, like, they bump into each other and Mm -hmm. bump into each other and scene changes happen and dialogue happens. But for us, it's just one sentence. So let's hear what the second (laughs) number is. is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I thought that was going to be what the opening number felt like. You got the full cast in it. really puts you in the mode of... The Israel? Mode. Yes, the mode <laughs> the of mode Israel. The mode of Israel. If Israel was a mode... The setting <laughs> is what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're speaking in Hebrew in this. Either that or I have really bad ears and don't understand <laughs> English, but our sheet music that we have has this song written in English. So I'm assuming that they're saying something along the lines of sing, sing a song of Mazel Tov, but I didn't hear them say Mazel Tov at all. I did so not. I don't know if this is a direct <laughs> translation. Keep Mazel at your side. Sing, sing a song of Mazel Tov. Toast the lucky groom. Toast the happy bride. Even though it's called Independence Day Hora, I think it's a wedding song? I think so. <laughs> a little confused. I mean, it says in the a synopsis that they're celebrating Israel's Independence Day. But it also seems like there's a wedding. But maybe people got married on that day. Perhaps. We're not historians, you guys. So, pardon. So, from there... It says that their friendship begins to deepen again. That is Phil and Phil, Ruth. Phil and Ruth. So <laughs> Phil and Ruth's friendship begins to deepen and Phil's conscience starts troubling him. 
Although he has been separated from his wife for many years, oh, here we go. He does not think it is right to continue seeing Ruth since he is still a married man. Truth, Phil. Truth. Look at that Do conflict not- right away. <laughs> Phil's daughter Barbara, however, likes Ruth and invites her to go with them to the farm that she and her husband own in the Negev. After some hesitation, Ruth accepts. On the farm called the Moshav. Phil tries to talk Barbara and her husband David into going back to Baltimore with him. Why Baltimore? (laughs) We are laughing just because we grew up in Maryland. The young man vows his devotion to his country and is joined in its praise by his neighbors, including his cynical friend Adi, who claims he would rather live in the city. So by the young man, we mean David, Barbara's husband. Yes. I'm pretty sure he's singing this song. But I could be mistaken. Let's Kind of bitter, and the milk's a little sour. Do you know the pebble is the state's official flower? How about the tensions, political dissensions, and no one ever mentions that the scenery is barren and torrid and arid and horrid? And how about the border when the Syrians attack? How about the Arab with the rifle in your back? How about the water while there is of it is fine, but this lovely land is mine? What if the So that was the title song. And I, I feel that title songs sometimes have that added pressure of being, um, they have to be good. And I think it lives up to it. It's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they know that they need to do that. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think the song itself is like, oh my God, the pressure. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure when you're writing it and you're like, this is it. Yeah. But hopefully you would write that first, I would imagine. I don't know. I've never written a show. No. The song does seem to be painting a really good picture of Israel, which I think is the point of this musical, as we'll get into it in the history section. Because it does feel like a classic Broadway song that's talking about a place like in the vein of Oklahoma or Bally High or like those where they're 
describing this land that is just so lush and gorgeous and idyllic. And I think it makes me want to go to Israel. So it did a good job. Yeah. And I love that juxtaposition between the pure Broadway chorus sound of the milk and honey and that counterpoint of a D kind of explaining his view. I love him so much because (laughs) I'm like the most cynical person ever. And I feel like that's so me. (laughs) He just comes and he just starts like, no, (laughs) no, no. And I can just imagine him being like fully downstage, direct addressing the audience kind of. Yes. Just like, they're all fucking crazy. (laughs) I don't know what they see in this place. But yeah, I think overall it paints a great picture. Yeah, I do like that Adi brings up really interesting and still time-appropriate political points, but he masks it like you you lead with humor mm-hmm. and then you slip in a little bit of realism. Yes. So moving right along. Phil, who is falling in love with Ruth, asks her to stay at Barbara's farm or Moshav a little longer. I like how they're trying to educate us. Yes. Like in the summary, they're like, or Moshe. Yes. In fact, he is even thinking of building a house of his own there that he would like her to share. So Phil wants to share a house with Ruth. Yes. And that leads us in to another song. For we have so much more to see and so much more to say and so much more to do I think you ought to know if I never let you go that I'd have every reason in the world you I think I'm a sucker for those type of songs I just love hearing them. I eventually would probably learn the song and just sing it. I love it. It's really sweet. I will say I'm yearning for a bit more. Okay. Just because I'm just envisioning the staging of this and he's singing this song to Ruth and she doesn't sing back and she doesn't do anything. Like she's just sitting there staring at him. Like I thought this was going to turn into a duet. You're completely (laughs) correct. Like I love, love, love like these older Broadway powerhouse baritone solos, but this does need another perspective. It just seemed like a song that was going to end in some sort of big flourish where they kiss. Mm -hmm. And I maybe... That'll happen later and maybe my dreams will be fulfilled. (laughs) And maybe we're just supposed to wait a little longer because we're building tension. Yeah. But I feel very disappointed. (laughs) It's funny. Since we haven't listened to this in a while, I actually don't know where this is going. (laughs) Meanwhile, the group of touring widows comes to visit the Moshav. When they eye the virile young farmers... The ladies, led by Clara Weiss, reveal their hopes of finding suitable husbands. Though their dreams are quickly dashed when all the men turn out to be married, Clara is still optimistic. Clara sounds like my type of lady. (laughs) Let's see. I hope she's an alto. She probably won't be. (laughs) Mrs. Weinstein, Chattanooga, likes authentic Israeli atmosphere. When the tour is behind her, 
She'd have something to remind her If she carried over six foot souvenir Now Mrs. Breslin would like a dark ruée And Mrs. Strauss likes temples that are turning gray And Mrs. Kessler would like a mustache and a cleft And what would you like, Clara? I'd like anything that's left You are a wonderful group of ladies If all of us were not married, we would never let you go back home. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom, boys. Shalom. Again, no luck. So what is it? The end of the world? Pull in your belts. Throw out your chests. And chin up. Ladies, look around the horizon. Head high. Ladies, don't give up a ship. All of my dreams. <laughs> Clara's my favorite person in the world. I love her so much. It really brings a whole different level of energy to the show. I love it. I mean, this is before Hello Dolly, you guys, and she's basically Dolly Levi. Yeah, like a proto Dolly. Yeah, definitely older. I think. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with her. Like, I want her to be my best friend, my mom, my grandma, everything all at the same time. Like, all these ladies are freaking amazing. They're just making lists of dudes they want. They just have, like, minor specifications. I feel like there's this idea, and is this is mostly true, that there's a lack of, like, strong women or women representation in in musicals or older shows in general. And yes, this is completely true. If you look at it, most of the time, this is true. But I don't know if this is necessarily one of them 100%. No, like, there are strong women in this. Well, yeah, these ladies are awesome. Yeah. So this song definitely has my favorite rhyme. And okay, I might take this back because, again, we haven't listened to this show in a long time. <laughs> but so far, and honestly, I don't think I'm going to take this back because Probably this not. is just amazing and i'm sure i played this for you but let's just visit it again shall we look for the silver lining you gotta go on with the show climb every mountain to find your mr snow (laughs) like referencing other musicals Mm -hmm. because this is jerry herman's first broadway show I feel like he just wants to tip the hat to his floor fathers. <laughs> and I just think he's so cute. And I think they're so cute. And I just am obsessed. Yeah, you all should have seen Jen's face when we heard that lyric. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, wait, rewind. Yeah. And then I whipped out the sheet music and I was like, oh, no, they said it. Mm-hmm. Those references are there. And also, somewhere over the rainbow, there's a man. I feel like that should be, I don't know. I feel like there should be a dating site with that as like the tagline. That would be fun. (laughs) I don't know. It needs to be on something. Mm -hmm. A cup, a shirt, someone make it, please. Yes. I really hope we see her again. Why? Ruth is really bumming me out. I want more (laughs) Clara. All right, let's keep going. See what Ruth is doing. Later, Phil tells Ruth that he has bought the property for a home, and she gives him her approval. Hmm. Maybe she'll actually sing something. (laughs) But that was yesterday. 
day that was yesterday and it's gone it's over and it's done for with you my mood strikes an attitude that's in competition with the sun for when my hair was up my morale was down i was dull and colorless and So it's great to have her finally have a, a solo. Yeah, it's too little too late. <laughs> Clara has taken my heart. You are no longer even involved. <laughs> so if you can't figure out from the clip we played, the song is called That Was Yesterday. I'm pretty sure those are the only words. <laughs> but um, unless we play the dance break, which is a really cute, I can imagine him like sweeping her off her feet but it did seem a bit fast for a dance break but it seems like this kind of functions as a solo for a solo with chorus for the... oh yeah why is the chorus even involved why know. okay he gets a whole solo number where he just starts rambling <laughs> all the, and it's very pretty and i really like it but why can't she just speak for herself why does she need a whole bandwagon of dudes coming in at the end <laughs> i don't know it's really obnoxious but she got it she is the top build female star in the show i mean she has a great voice mm-hmm. this has nothing to do with not at what all. what is her name uh mimi benzel well mimi benzel, benzel it has nothing to do with you i'm just saying it like i see it ruth <laughs> prove me wrong <laughs> but barbara is shocked at the news barbara is phil's daughter lest we forget i forgot already <laughs> but barbara is shocked at the news and urges her father to tell ruth about his marriage reluctantly he does but he also tells her why she must remain. We don't have to hear the clock remind us that there's more than half of life behind us when you face a shot forever. There's no Um, what? Okay, so Mikey and I are like kind of crying. That song is so sweet really and good. so sad. It's so it's less than half the amount of time as the song that was before it, but it is so much more impactful. It's so good. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I will say like Jerry Herman knows how to pull up my heartstrings. Like there are songs that he's written that just make me weep. And this is one of them. Like, there are lyrics like, I can only face forever if you come along my heart. Like, if Ruth doesn't, like, run into his arms and be like, yes, Phil. Like, what is she doing? And can I say what I think is going to be my favorite lyric? Yes. Okay. We don't have to hear the clock remind us that there's more than half a life behind us. Oh, my God. <sighs> It's so real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, old people love is the sweetest. It's true. 
Oh. And I'm saying old people because they're actually supposed to be like older, yes, you guys. Yes. Like, it's I'm not, not like, oh, I love old people. I mean, I love old people, but. But like, the def- they're finding love later in life. It's very sweet. Yes. Yada, yada. All right. So, at the wedding ceremony that they attend. Phil Who's and- getting married? We have no idea. <laughs> Is it the people at the beginning of the in the Independence Day horror? Maybe. Yeah, I- we don't know, you guys. I think we, we would benefit uh, a lot from having uh, the script. But we're like, going... I'm pretty sure Barbara and David are already married because she refers to him as her husband. Like, in the... She's like, my husband and I have a farm. Yeah. Or a Moshev. <laughs> <laughs> Bing. The word of the day is yeah. Moshev. Yeah, like Sesame Street yeah. moment. So, at the wedding ceremony that they attend, Phil and Ruth, envious of the younger people, express their deep love for each other and, forgetting the consequences for a moment, go off together. Ooh la la. Yeah. So this is the end of Act One, you guys. It better be good. We don't have to hear the clock. Remind us that there's more than half of life behind us. Let's not waste a moment. Another moment's gone. one finale the wedding and um i'm sure dramatically i mean i know dramatically it it seems like a good ending to act one did we end on a kiss i can't tell i can't tell at all i'm not sure if i got what i wanted is that one of those things that you decide if you're staging it no it probably tells you in the stage directions that they kiss but we don't have that i mean it just says they go off together in the summary i'm sure if they kissed they would say like they share a passionate kiss and that song is really, it's its funny because it's a mash of two of his songs. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, she doesn't even have good enough songs to mash up. <laughs> like, I think that should tell you something, Jerry Herman. Uh, well, like, the songs you wrote are great. Seriously. But give her a good one. Ay, ay, ay. But. But then we get into, like, the horror and stuff, which is fun, and that's how they end Act 1. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think this is a decent ending to Act 1. It's okay. I think there are better endings. I'm not super against it. I'm just not super for it. I think there was probably a lot more eye candy than <laughs> musically satisfying. Yeah, I don't think every Act 1 finale can be a one day more moment. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Mikey's... <laughs> Perfect musical. Perfect. It's perfect. Okay. So act two. Phil energetically feels the spirit of the new land and goes out to work the fields with the other farmers. We've apparently passed in time. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, is it the next day? Is it the next week? We're not exactly sure. 
I think maybe Phil and Ruth did a little song something when they went off together. Because now he's like, I feel like a man. Yeah. Is that what we're supposed to be getting from this? Or am I, I just so. like in my 2020 brain? All right. Well, let's listen to it and find out. Yes. about you but i'm pretty sure that is the song of someone who did not just get a hug when they went off together (laughs) (laughs) i mean for real that is very true (laughs) he's a young man again he is raring to go (laughs) it's interesting that they start again with another leading man solo it's what they know (laughs) Oh, he, he's solid, so. I mean, I could literally listen to him, like, sing the phone book, and it's I would so be true. like, wow! <laughs> like, his voice is so good. Yeah. But that being said, I think they also figured that out, and this song is very long. <laughs> it is, kind of unnecessarily so. Correct. But it is the opening to act two. Right, but they didn't write, like, any more music. They just repeated. That's true. I mean, it's... It's very sweet. He feels very young. He's going to build her a house. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So from here, Barbara, however, brings news that Ruth, realizing the consequences of living with a married man, has run away to Tel Aviv. And Phil goes off to bring her back. When they are alone, David, convinced that Barbara really longs to go back to the United States, asserts that he would go anywhere to be with her. I kind of forgot about these characters until now. What do you mean? I don't know. I guess I've been so focused on. Um, You've been really invested in Ruth Phil and Ruth. And Phil <laughs> that I forgot that there's more people in this. Um, so this song, this song is powerful. It's good. Is it? I mean, sounding. I kind of feel like it sounds a bit creepy. Okay. Like, it's very, like, threatening. Oh, yeah. Like, I I know he meant for it to be very sweet, but in comparison to the other sweet, romantic male songs that he's written, this just feels straight-up stalker. Okay, now that I look at it in that lens, and also kind of the ominous tones. That's what I mean. Like, if it was those lyrics put to a different melody, I think it would read as sweet. 
Because mm-hmm. the lyrics are very sweet. Like, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, blah, blah, blah. Like, that whole mentality. But when you put it in this, like, dredgy kind of tune, it kind of feels like he's right behind her with a knife. Like, <laughs> Okay, I've changed my mind. I hate it. No! I'm just kidding. I don't. I think it sounds good. But it does sound darker than I imagined. Maybe I'm just a darker minded person. I just really wanted it to be really sweet. And I was kind of disappointed. That's all. Yeah. Since, um, what's his character's name? Bill? No, this character. David. David. <laughs> he seems like he's got a little less time to shine. This might be completely different um, had we actually seen the stage production, but um, based on the synopsis itself. So, meanwhile, in Tel Aviv, Phil finds Clara at the Cafe Hotel. Yes! <laughs> Clara's back! But she refuses to tell him where Ruth is. When he leaves, Clara accidentally meets one Sol Horowitz, a widower from Jerusalem. Ooh. And they promptly show mutual interest. Alone, she seeks her late husband's permission to remarry if Sol proposes. Whoa! That escalated <laughs> so really quickly! quickly. <laughs> How long is that scene? Like... In, like, the course of two minutes, she's like, Hello, soul. Nice to meet you. Want to get married? (laughs) I mean, she doesn't have a lot of time left, so. Oh, my god! Go for it, Clara. Hi, me. For seven years I've been good. But now I think it's time we had a little talk. How can you expect a woman to exist when there is just one lonely lamp chop on her shopping list when she's embarrassed by the grocer's sympathetic look as he pastes a single stamp into a green stamp book? Oh, how can you expect a woman not to want to have her dinner at a table in a restaurant so you will forgive me if I'm looking for somebody who'll permanently take me off that counter stool Clara does not disappoint <laughs> no Clara no. is the best so that song was called him to Jaime she's just amazing this character is everything i'm convinced that she is the predecessor to to dolly levi because she also has a line in this that she loves when the mater d becomes her personal attendant and i'm like that's exactly hello dolly and i will say that jerry herman is definitely very good at writing this character yeah so i could see that maybe potentially he saw this character and be like this character is actually the star. I can write sassy women. I'm not so good at writing ingenuity females. Yeah. I mean, no, he wrote like ribbons down my back and stuff. Like, I mean, True. he's good at, he's, I guess, you know, this is his first one. I'll yeah. cut him some slack. Okay, I know I said that I had found my favorite rhyme. <laughs> and I know that I said that, but I think I'm going to replace my favorite rhyme from the first Clara song with my favorite rhyme from the second Clara song. Every night I say my prayers and close my eyes and ask, when will I buy toothpaste in the family size? <laughs> it's so 
like a matchbox of our own. Like it's so like simple. It is. Like it's such a simple idea, but it's so sweet. I can just envision this little old lady at the grocery looking longingly at a big thing of toothpaste and being like, <laughs> I can't get that. I'll never use that much toothpaste. It's just me alone. But also toothpaste doesn't expire, lady. No. Just buy the toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. so back at the Moshav, Phil, after much inner conflict, realizes that it would be wrong to live with Ruth. Although she comes back to him, he tells her that she must leave. Y'all, this is getting real confusing. Yeah. It's just back and forth and back and forth. It's a very annoying, like, tennis match. At this point, I'm getting a little frustrated with our leads. But that home that I need and that place in the world is you. actually rebuttals her in this number there must be a scene there has to be after this song where he's like get out (laughs) (laughs) because other than that i don't understand why she wouldn't stay with him she wants to it does seem to be morally confusing all right let's see what happens yeah so at the lida airport well we've certainly (laughs) jumped the touring widows are preparing to board the plane home. Phil and Ruth have their final brief moment together, during which he promises to fly to Paris. Why? Where his wife lives. Oh. Yep. And plead for a divorce. So there you go. Okay. Ruth boards the plane with the hope that somehow Phil will succeed and she will be able to come back to him. That's it? Yeah, this is the last song. What? <laughs> Maybe the song will tie things up better? I don't know. Let's see. Okay. Say goodbye with a little hello. didn't answer anything but i think based on the tone of it it seems a little more positive than just reading the back cover where it's like i hope he succeeds i have many questions he's going about it the right way where he's like you know i'm gonna pursue this but i must get this divorce from my wife yeah and i they leave with like a little bit of hope because there's the line that's like say goodbye with a little hello in it but 
Because Sin- shalom, <sighs> you can use as hello and goodbye. 100%. It's so nice. It's That's a very cute idea. But I'm still grumps. <laughs> the problem, in my opinion, is that this is not like a TV series where like you can continue. This is a, a musical that has a beginning, middle, and end. And I... And it, it's generally happy, so I want to see something happy. Is that too much to ask? I don't for? care about it being happy. I just need to tie up some loose ends. Like, and maybe it happened in the book, and it's just not happening in song. Yeah. I'm assuming that it does. Like, what happened to Clara, my favorite person? Did she marry <laughs> Soul? We don't know. What happened to Barbara and David? Are they going back to the United States? Are they staying in Israel? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know so much. And I think that's partially because all we have is a summary and the music. But musically, I am happy with the finale. Um, just But it's not a new finale. It's, it's not just, a new finale, but the idea of Shalom beginning and ending something. Yeah, I liked that. But then we went into Milk and Honey and I'm like, yo, <laughs> what the heckles? I guess maybe... No, there isn't a break in it, is there? Mm-mm. I was thinking maybe it was like an after curtain call situation where they're like, this is the title number, but I don't think that it is. It's possible. I mean, we are... I like hearing it again. It's a great song, yeah. but I'm a little disappointed. I think it's just my ears are satisfied, but maybe content-wise. But I got my kiss, I'm pretty sure. I heard it musically. I'm pretty sure it was in there. So I got it. You have that director choreographer's ear where you can just tell where it is. I think I'm just really in tune with that because I watched a lot of old romantic black and white movies growing up. So I think I just... When you told me where it is, I was like, oh yeah, definitely. I didn't didn't hear it without you telling me, but 100% it is there. All right. Let's dig deeper. So delving into the history of the show, like we said, Jerry Herman wrote the music to Milk and Honey, and we're going to read his bio because it's so short, the bio that's on the back of the album. (laughs) Yeah, so this is a bio from 1961, just to put you in the mindset of it. Uh, It says, with Milk and Honey, Jerry Herman makes an auspicious Broadway bow as both composer and lyricist. His professional career began in 1954 with an off-Broadway production of his college review, I Feel Wonderful. This was followed by the very successful Nightcap review presented at Jim Paul Eiler's Showplace and Parade starring Dottie Goodman. That's it. It's before (laughs) anything. So... He was 30 when this show came to Broadway. After this show, he composed the scores for Hello, Dolly, Mame, and La Caja Faux. He was nominated for a Tony Award five times. He's won twice for Hello, Dolly, and La Cage. In 2009, he received the Tony Award for Lifetime Achievement in the theater. In 2010, he received a Kennedy Center Honors. And unfortunately, he passed away... December 26th, 2019. So mm. just a little bit ago. And we actually 
the second that we heard that he passed away, we were like, oh, man, milk and honey. <laughs> and like it was the first show we thought of. We didn't even think yeah. of Hello, Dolly. It was just so funny. The book writer for this show was a man named Don Apple. And he has a bit more of a bio. Yes. So on the back of the album cover, it says Don Apple, the author of Milk and Honey, has already been represented on Broadway with two plays, Lullaby and This Too Shall Pass. For several years, he was also a successful producer and writer for such television programs as The Red Buttons Show, The Imogen Coca Show, The Vic Damone Show, Stop the Music, and The Paul Winchell Show. When Mr. Apple got the notion about doing a musical with a modern Israeli setting, he asked Jerry Herman, whose work he had admired since seeing the I Feel Wonderful review, to be his collaborator. They both became so excited about the project that they soon found themselves in Israel, soaking up atmosphere and ideas as guests of Mr. Gerard Ostriker and is the Israeli government. Well, that's interesting because we have a different telling of the history of the show than he does. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Yeah. But, I mean, kind of the same. You'll hear it in a second. So he was 42 when this show came to Broadway, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because Jerry Herman must have really taken his opinions and notes into account because he was his senior and they were supposed to be collaborating together. But when you're working with someone who's 12 years older than you and already has put on plays on the Broadway yeah. scene, I'm sure he catered to his opinions and things like that. But in the grand scheme of it, a lot of people, I mean, I'm one person and you're two people. <laughs> so I guess these two people didn't really know a lot about Don Apple. No. I mean, he certainly is, based on his bio, fairly accomplished. But the person with lasting appeal, at least popular appeal, does seem to be Jerry Herman. So our notes actually are a little different than the bio of Don Apple on how this show got made. (laughs) Uh, We read an interview with Jerry Herman from Playbill that was done in 2011. And he said that he was approached by the producer, Jared Ostriker. And Jared was a major real estate person. He uh, later owned Broadway's Eurus Theater, which is the Gershwin where Wicked is currently playing. And Jerry Herman said that he thought he was a strange guy. <laughs> I'm not sure if that had anything to do with like who he was or just like he thought he was a stranger because just out of the blue at the end of uh the show where jerry was playing for his review called parade ostriker came up to him and handed him his card and said he wanted to produce a show about israel because it was just 12 years old at the time and this is the sweetest line i think Mm -hmm. i've ever read jerry herman said he felt like it was something out of a judy garland and mickey rooney movie I love and that. I just think that that's so sweet, and I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> Gerard asked Jerry if he knew anything about Israeli music, and Jerry really wanted to work on this, so he told the White Lies, saying that he knew everything about Israeli music when he actually had no idea. You know, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I got you. So, Ostriker sent Jerry Herman and Don Apple to Israel, and at that point, they'd never met before. 
According to Jerry Herman, it seems like maybe Don Apple has a different yeah. idea of what this was. But they were on the airplane together and Apple leaned over to Jerry Herman and was like, look at those two ladies. They're just these older ladies. They're traveling on an airplane. They're laughing. They're having a great time. What if we wrote a musical about a, a bunch of old ladies who were traveling together and they happened to be widows? And... That's how they started writing Milk and Honey, just on the airplane over to Israel. They hadn't even gotten there yet. I just think that's so great. (laughs) They just saw some old ladies and were like, that's the musical. I mean, they must have been having a really good time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know that that, those ladies, that was Clara. Yeah. Like, that wasn't Ruth. (laughs) That was definitely Clara. So in Israel, they were actually wined and dined by the government themselves because they wanted good press. Because at that time... It was a new country. And they wanted a big Broadway musical to be done about them so people would come and visit. So Jerry Herman, 28, he's already been flown to Israel. He is over the moon. He has a Broadway track for a Broadway show. He gets to have a rehearsal room full of 26 musicians that he gets to work with. And he is pumping out music like a machine (laughs) he's so excited he said he wrote milk and honey in under one hour that's crazy like the song not the whole musical (laughs) 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 i mean i i don't know anything about that because i haven't written music but uh he said he wrote i will follow you in 15 minutes (gasps) i mean guys i didn't really like that song that much so it's i mm, okay. okay okay but I mean, those lyrics were great, and he wrote that in 15 minutes. I can't even imagine. He said that he wrote all of his music at an upright piano that was at his mother's house on East 10th Street. So the one pull quote we have from this interview is um, Jerry Herman saying that finding the places for the songs was the biggest job. I wanted to make sure I was hitting the emotion of the particular scene on the head, not writing about something extraneous. I wanted the music to top the scene. Don was a very simpatico collaborator who helped me find the right places and the right tone. Which is exactly what you want out of a book writer. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he did help him. It was his first big, big musical. It seems like he just wrote reviews before then, which reviews don't really need to have a plot or the songs don't need to seamlessly flow into the dialogue as much. So I'm sure he really did lean on Don Apple. And it seems like it was a success. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. So it had two Broadway tryout runs, one at the Schubert Theater in New Haven, Connecticut, for one day. It was August 28th. All that work. 1961. But then it had a slightly longer pre-Broadway tryout run in Boston, Massachusetts uh, from September 5th through the 23rd in 1961. So notable people in the cast. I think this is hilarious considering that I'm obsessed with her now. (laughs) The woman who plays Clara Weiss, her name is Molly Pecan, and... She is probably one of the most notable people in this cast. Sure. She was nominated for a Tony Award. She was 63 when this show went up. She had done a bunch of Yiddish theater, and she actually played Yenta, the matchmaker, in the movie Fiddler on the Roof that came out in 1971. So 
Little did I know, <laughs> I grew up with this lady. <laughs> so the new Century Theater was actually adorned with her name on it for one year. So for one year, it was called the Molly Pecan Theater. And she actually had a biographical play about her called Pecan Pie that ran off-Broadway from 2004 to 2005. And now I need to go find the script because I am obsessed with her. (laughs) (laughs) So the other person in the cast that is notable is Robert Weedy, who played Phil. and um, Most gorgeous voice ever. Yes. And no wonder I liked him so much. He is the main character in Most Happy Fella. Which he just loves bopping around the house to my <laughs> It's really <laughs> strange, too, because so many people have told me that, like, you'd be great for that role. And then I finally listened to it, and he's like an elderly Italian man. And maybe we'll talk about it later. I'm not sure if it's obscure enough. Let us know if you think it's obscure. <laughs> so, we're down to the question. Should this show still be produced? On the count of three. Ready? I mean, one, Mikey's rolling his eyes. Two, <laughs> three. Yes. Duh. <laughs> like this, this is probably not, not probably. No, this is going to be one of the most obvious ones, I, I think. I mean, I don't know. We're not psychic. But all I can say <laughs> is that the show is great. You should do it. Just let an old lady play Clara, please. <laughs> like, let her live her dream. Let her just sing those songs. Like, do it. If you have a star older lady vehicle, let her get it like this show is so solid it could be done by a professional company a community theater company uh college theater even though like it's always funny i don't know about it's supposed to be about like older people yeah but i guess if they're all working on like age makeup (laughs) like like age makeup and like um movement Mm -hmm. they could really focus on those two things doing this show age has not stopped the colleges from producing inappropriate things in the I past. guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for this show, we could actually find details about the rights because it's a little more mainstream than our last one. So if you want to produce this show, you can go to concordtheatricals.com and you can access and inquire about the rights there. For a 100-seat house, for tickets ranging between $25 and $50, 16 performances, the cost would be $7,800, which seems pretty reasonable, yeah. if you ask me. And you can book this show as, like, Jerry Herman's first Broadway show. Like, you can really get butts and seats. People know who Jerry Herman is. So this is the part of the show where we each pick our audition cuts. I believe that this time again we've chosen two very different songs. Like we do. Yes. Okay, tell me yours. For this show, the song that really stood out to me as an audition cut is... A Phil song. It is a Phil song. <laughs> <laughs> so even though my favorite song lyric-wise is Let's Not Waste a Moment, the song that has like a really driving energy is Like a Young Man. Oh, I did <laughs> not expect that. It has that big driving energy and it's so powerful. I'm a... Uh, now, I will say, uh, not everyone should sing this song. You probably shouldn't sing this song if you're actually a young man. Yeah, I feel like that's like... It, it will lose power. Cocky. But if you are a... I'm not going to say an old baritone. You can be an old baritone, but an older... I would say like 
45 and older yeah 45 and older baritone which i don't consider like old but Mm -hmm. like you know as far as musical theater goes like you're not a tulsa like it's you're older yeah so if you fall within that demographic this is a powerhouse song um and i think you should listen to the cut shocked that you picked that <laughs> it's a solid 30 second powerhouse baritone song. i mean i know that you aspire to be that role <sighs> that's but like who you want to be when you grow up will i ever be a powerhouse baritone though time only will time will tell <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i could see like someone like javert type role if you're an older javert but that gets so up tempo i know true i there are roles for that i just can't think of them right now but I'm really just surprised that you picked that <laughs> song. I thought you would pick one of the love ballads or something. I think a problem for me particularly is that I always do pick songs that are kind of slower. Oh, okay. So you're trying to get out of your personal comfort I'm, zone? Yeah, I'm like... Even though this is the second <laughs> episode and nobody knows that that's your personal comfort zone. And also, zone. this song is probably not for me <laughs> to sing. Yeah, I mean, okay. So mine is definitely not for me to sing... At this current time mm-hmm. in my life. Surprise of the century, I picked a Clara song. Oh my goodness. I know. I thought for sure you would sing an operatic soprano song. I picked him to Heine. I think that this is just a ham it up cut. Mm-hmm. You can really act it, go all out, embarrass yourself. Be ridiculous, make faces, mug the house down. It's the strong, bold choices that get you, rem- like, that make you memorable. Yeah, I feel like this is a song that could be used for, what is Albert's mom's name in Bye Bye Birdie? Well, her. I don't remember oh, no. her name. So, um, someone's going to be screaming into the... I know. I'm sorry, everyone. Obviously, Mame, because same writer. Uh... Any sassy old lady roles. I think this cut has a little bit of double entendre in mm-hmm. it that you can play with that could get people giggling if you're, you know, really hamming it up. <laughs> so <laughs> see if you giggle along with me. But when you're two, to say the least, each little snack becomes a feast that you can cater. But then you left me, Jaime, dear, and I've been drinking instant coffee ever since. And so I know you'll understand if I should take down from the shelf my percolator. If I use my percolator. Oh, Jaime, be a prince. Don't you just love her? <laughs> She's the best. It is such a good cut. So fun. What a good, uh, well-written character. Yeah. This show is just great. It's fun. It's kind of political. Not really. Only Adi is political and he just shows up for five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> he has a segment of a song. I would love to see this show. I hope it gets produced more. I'd love to be in the show. Yeah, I feel like... This age range of people 
don't get to perform as a group a lot. I feel oh, like so correct. there's a lot of shows that have like the one-off older talented person. Why can't you have a whole cast of older talented people? Why didn't I even think about that while we were talking about <laughs> this? They don't all just have to be the one-off moms and dads talking about their kids. Mm-hmm. They can be the leads. <gasps> What a revolution. This is like thought. the Grace and Frankie of <laughs> the 60s. Well, that's all for today. Thank you so, so much for listening. Yes, thank you so, so much. And we hope you join us next time. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Buried Broadway. Or email us at buriedbroadway at gmail.com. What, what will, will we, we dig, dig up, up next? <laughs> Bye. Toodles. <laughs> I know we just played you some songs from the show. But that doesn't mean we have the rights, you know. We're educating you and ourselves, you see. With musicals lost in history. So please don't call your lawyers. That would kill the vibe. We just want to make podcasts. And keep Buried Broadway alive.